Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Camel X at your service. George Sells with you until 11 o'clock. Enjoy that first hour of the show. Good folks on there. Good folks. Gotta love Andy Candy from Crown Candy. If you're looking for a place to work, go see Andy. <laughs> He's fighting the battle like so many, so many folks are out there. Coming up, what are we going to do this hour? Coming up this hour, we are going to talk a little bit about the St. Louis Teen Talent Competition coming up in a little while. That's always a fun event. And one of those things that, kind of getting back to it this year, so much was lost last year, uh, things that involve performance and stuff like that, particularly for kids. Uh, My kids both do musical theater and, and performance stuff like that, and it just all went away. Uh, there was so many things that they normally really pour their lives into uh, between theater, a dance for my daughter, and a lot of it just got taken away over the last year and a half because they, they couldn't do anything. They couldn't perform. You couldn't put people on a stage. And, you know, my hat is off to the, the many creative folks out there who tried to come up with something. They tried to come up with a way to work around it. Uh, The Ignite Theater Company was one, for example, that was finding creative ways uh, to do stuff on video and to get the number of kids that they were allowed to have together together for various rehearsals and then you know, block things out and shoot things on video so that in such a way where they could make it look at least like a performance where everybody was together. But boy, is this taking a toll on kids uh, just because they can't do those things. They can't get together, uh, you know, a, th- a, a theater company might be 40 kids, something like that. And they have a ball every time they do it. Uh, sports. I mean, we we got to do a lot of our sports, sort of, uh, you know, high school football b- did better on the Missouri side than on the Illinois side as far as just being able to get the kids together. But they weren't able to do the things that they normally do. They weren't able to practice the way they normally practice. And they weren't able to just be together. So things like this uh, teen talent competition, the St. Louis teen talent competition that they put on every year is this is you know another step toward getting back to some semblance of normalcy speaking of kids 
another thing we're later on this hour. Uh, the DESI, the Department of Elementary and Secondary Education here in Missouri, every year does a Teacher of the Year award. There are six finalists that are that have been announced. Uh, they are going to the winner is going to be announced sometime here in the next few days. Excuse me, seven finalists. A little miscount there, uh, and we are well represented in our area here. Uh, Melissa Ziegler from over in Washington, uh, James Young from Ferguson Florissant, uh, Lauren Shellhorn from Rockwood School District, Eleanor Taylor from the Pattonville School District, and then, and I'm I'm gonna out myself here again. The the day job for me now is uh, working for the St. Louis Public Schools. I'm working as the Director of Communications over there. So I will admit a slight bias toward Kristen Dowling, who uh, was at Carnahan High School last year uh, when she received her nomination. She's now over at Collegiate High School. She's got a great story to tell. We're going to talk to her coming up this hour also, and she's going to talk about both getting to St. Louis. She had kind of an unusual path, and she's also going to talk to us about what being a finalist for this award means, particularly this year, because this has been such a year, really the last two have been such years, not only for kids, not only for parents, but for all those teachers out there as well. This has been just so daunting. And for educators, you know, if you're dropping your kid off at school, give them an extra smile, (laughs) say an extra hello uh, throw out an extra thank you anytime you've got the shot because uh, what educators have been through in trying to come up with creative ways to effectively teach our kids has been nothing short of heroic. Really has been. I mean, think about it. They, You go back to 2020, kids go off on spring break. This happened in a lot of districts here. They They... They left school for spring break thinking they'd be back in a week and they never came back. And school administrators and teachers and that whole mechanism, they basically had a week to reinvent school. And they did it. Wasn't perfect. Uh, Ask my teenagers. (laughs) They'll, They'll tell you it was lousy. But you know what? It was something. And it was more than we had any business expecting. Uh, considering how little time they had to adjust to a complete lockdown. Then last year, they had to do it all over again. We had more information, had a few more ideas as to what would spread the virus, what would stop the spread, how you could put kids together, but they reinvented it again. You know, kids in pods. So... If somebody gets sick, you don't have to quarantine the whole school or shut the whole school down. And that's not that's before you even get into how they can't the online learning that they developed overnight, uh, you know, basically over over a summer. Uh, the the incredible work that uh, between the school systems and then you get you know the into private industry uh, to get the technical stuff into the hands of children who needed it. I mean, the St. Louis public schools, I can tell you this, the St. Louis public schools are one-to-one devices now with students. Every kid, they got 20,000 kids in that district. Uh, A lot of them 
quite frankly, live in poverty. And every one of them now has an iPad if they're younger, laptop if they're older, some kind of a device that can be used both in class, but also if we, if we got into a position where we had to go back, and God willing, we all know we hope that doesn't happen, but they've got the ability to do that now. And, and companies were pitching in and making sure you know, the Verizons of the world, the, uh, the, the charter spectrums of the world were kicking in uh, hardware. They were kicking in Internet access. They were kicking in hotspots uh, to make sure that the most vulnerable, you know, some of the, some of the uh, particularly the folks that just didn't have the means to get some of the stuff that you would need to do online learning, they made sure that it happened. And for all of the garbage that we've seen with like the political debates and everybody knocking heads and all the divisiveness, you know, I think we've missed a pretty remarkable display in this country of people working together and finding a way. And nowhere is it better exemplified uh, than in education. Uh, and I'm not talking about any individual districts. I mean, the district that I work for uh, certainly uh, did some amazing, amazing things. But a lot of districts did amazing, amazing things. And it was a function of people who care about kids getting together and doing what Americans have done for generations, which is have some grace under pressure and come up with the next great idea right when you need it. And we've seen a lot of that. So teacher of the year candidate Kristen Dowling will be joining us later this hour as well. Right now it is 915. I'm George Sells and you are listening to KMOX at your service. Straight up on a Thursday night, George Sells with you until 11 o'clock tonight, KMOX, at your service. And we were talking last segment, kind of in a setup to this segment, really, about uh, kids and all the activities that they have missed out on over the last year and a half. Uh, theater, dance, music, before you even get into sports, but we'll stay off of sports for this one because we're going to talk about Talent competition, the St. Louis Teen Talent Competition, always ends with an exciting trip across the stage at the fabulous Fox Theater. And we are joined now by Erica Rogers to talk a little bit about how things are going this year. Erica, welcome to X. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you. Well, thank um, you for being here. Tell, tell us about what's happening this year for you guys after, you know, so many kids just had their their talent aspirations put on hold for a year. Uh, you know, the school plays and things like that were almost non-existent. Uh, what are you seeing as far as just the excitement of you know being back to do something on a stage? Yeah, we're seeing a lot of excitement. Kids are eager to get back on that stage, and we will be back in person with our competition. And we are moving forward with doing our preliminary rounds in December in person. And then ending at the with finals on the Fox stage, live February 11th in 2022. 
So we are really excited and we're seeing a lot of positive feedback about moving forward. <laughs> well, what was last year like for you guys? Uh, and it, so many people had to, did so many things to, to try to adjust. Some were able to, some not so much. Uh, in the, over the last year and a half, what was your experience? So with the team talent competition, we went virtual, which we had never done before. We accepted video submissions, which actually did really well. We had over 154 acts enter. And then for finals, we ended up with 14 acts, and we taped the finals for a broadcast on uh, 9 PBS, which aired in May, and that was really well-received, but we went totally virtual. So we were able to give the kids some of the same experience and that they got feedback from the judges through, like, Zoom call, and then, of course, they were able to perform live. They were able to perform on stage, but, I mean, nothing beats the experience of being in front of a live crowd at the Fox Theater of, oh, 4,000 feet. So, um but that was a big shift for us, but we were so happy we were able to do it and still move forward and give these kids a scholarship opportunity as well as a performance opportunity. What was that like for you at the time? Because you were doing what so many across all fields, businesses, schools, you name it, you were basically reinventing what you do on the fly. What was that like? So, um, well, you know, it was an experience. It um so we had to learn how to um, recreate that nurturing in-person experience and learning experience of the teen talent via Zoom, which I hope we we created. So we tried to create that same experience, you know, virtually, which uh, luckily towards the end, we were able to do more in person with having rehearsals in person. You know, they're very separated. We can only take one act at a time where before we would have, you know, like a live theater show, it would all be everyone. So um, it was, you know, some parts of it were good because we got to do some things online with nine PBS, um, like after party online, which were, which got a good response. And we're finding ways to incorporate that now this year. So it really caused us to think out of the box and some things I think, have helped us move into the future that we noticed we want to have for this year's show to make it, you know, new and fresh and exciting. <laughs> I was going to say, what do you take with you now? Because I think we've seen a lot of this where different, again, in all different arenas, people did things differently. They reinvented themselves. Then they got to a place where they could go back to how it was before, but found okay, there are a few things here that we learned about ourselves that we're going to take along for the ride with us. What comes with you and comes with the competition from COVID-19 that you guys found that you really liked? So we really liked having that online presence during the teen talent competition. Like I said, we did an online, we actually did this in 2022. I mean, not 2022, 2020. And in 2021, we did an online after party, and we're trying to find a way to incorporate that with the live show. Um, we haven't quite figured that out, but it, you know, kept the audience engaged, like, well after the show and kept the excitement going. So, and it brought 
the show to people who may not be able to make it in person, whether they'd be relatives out of town who want to see, you know, the finalists perform. Um, so we're trying to find ways to have them engaged live that night. Awesome. Um, well, tell me so where you are now. Tell me where you are in the process now. Is uh, you said preliminary rounds? T- tell us about where you are. What's going on right now? What's happening? So registration is open. Um, t- uh, students in ninth through twelfth grade who live within a fifty-mile radius of the Gateway Arch. So even if you're homeschooled, if your school is in a fifty-mile radius, Missouri, Illinois, you can register and. That is open till November 1st. You can register online at our website at foxpacf.org. So that's where we're at right now is getting those registrations in and building up those acts. Um, And then we also have prelims, which won't start till December. Those are December 18th and 19th. So we're really encouraging kids to register and be a part of this free event. It's free to register, free to participate. It's a win-win because often we have scholarships just for showing up. So um, that is where we're at in this process, encouraging people to be a part of this great event. And it'll be those prelims will be in person again this year. Yes, we will be in person on stage at several different locations that weekend in December. All right. Well, Erica Rogers, St. Louis Teen Talent Competition, we thank you so much for joining us. Kind of like our own American Idol here. So everybody, get ready to get out on that stage. I guess more America's got talent. You see, but get ready to get out on that stage. Yeah. Back in person again. Thank you so much for joining us, Erica. Yeah, thank you. Have a good night. You too. So kids, if you want to do this, you're in high school, you can sign up. 927, you're listening to KMOX. KMOX at your service on a Thursday night. I'm George Sells with you up until 11 o'clock. And one thing that's going to be coming out in the next few days, a lot of talk about schools, and it's mostly been about vaccines and COVID and quarantines and stuff. Well, this is something that we need to be talking about. It is the Missouri Teacher of the Year. And that teacher is going to be named here in the next few days. And boy, talk about some circumstances they've been dealing with. And we are joined right now. I am very excited to have Kristen Dowling. And Kristen teaches at Collegiate High School in the St. Louis Public School District. And she is one of the finalists. Kristen, welcome to KMOX. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Well, tell me, first of all, you were you were teaching at... Carnahan last year, and it's a high school, but it's kind of being converted to a middle school, so you've moved now over to Collegiate, but you're at Carnahan, and you put together a video to apply for this thing, and just tell me how this has gone since. Yeah, so last year I had some colleagues um, at Carnahan nominate me for the the district-level award for Teacher of the Year, Um, and typically during a more normal year, um, the selection committee would come and observe me teach, um, but obviously that was not possible since we were virtual during that time. So instead they had us put together this video to sort of explain our work and what we do. And so I collected some clips from some of my current and former students and my colleagues to to sort of show off what goes on in my classroom. Um, And it was effective. I won the the district level in the spring, which was really wonderful. Um, 
And then it just sort of continued from there. I kept getting more applications and more essays to write. Um, So I went at the regional level as well for the St. Louis region. Um, And then I found out recently that I was a semifinalist and then a finalist for, for the state level. So that's sort of been the progression. What goes through your mind when you get that call or that email that says you're a finalist? It was really exciting. I definitely wasn't expecting it. Um, I didn't really know what I was in for when I originally filled out the initial application. Um, But it feels really good. Um, This year and this past year especially have been really tough for teachers, tough for everybody, but in a particular way for teachers. Um, And it's really validating to have some of the hard work that I was able to to share in my video and my essays um, seen for, for what it is and see all the good work that goes on in our schools. So tell me a little bit about your background. Now, you grew up in New England. You went to school at Yale. You started teaching uh, in the Boston public schools. What brought you to St. Louis, and what has kept you wanting to work in in big urban school districts? You did it in Boston. You're doing it here. Yeah, so I I moved to Boston to go to the Boston Teacher Residency Program. It's associated with UMass, um, but it specifically prepares teachers to work in the Boston public schools and, and urban districts. Um, and that was exactly what I wanted. So I went when I went to college at Yale, that was in New Haven, Connecticut, which is a small city that actually reminds me quite a bit of St. Louis. Um, and I loved it. I loved working um, in the school district. I learned a ton while I was there, and I wanted to continue doing that. Um, my fiance is was is an academic, and he got moved to Washu um, from the Boston area. So that's what moved us to St. Louis, and I was really excited to be able to move to another city that had had a district that was in need of, of teachers. Um, and I was really excited to join, join the district here when we moved. Now, you are a science teacher. It's, there's some biology. There's some pre-med kind of stuff in there. Tell us a little bit mm-hmm. about what you teach and how gratifying it is to work with these kids that you're working with every day. Yeah, so I've taught a little bit of everything um, in science. I'm a trained biologist, um, so that is sort of my my first love with it. But when I moved to St. Louis um, and started working at Carnahan, they needed a chemistry teacher, um, so I took that on. And I really grew to love chemistry much more than I did before teaching it. Um, It's great. It's one of those things where some of my classes, my my biomed classes and my biology classes, are a little bit of an easier sell to kids because the connections to it are are a little more obvious about, you know, medical issues and going to the doctor's office and maybe wanting to be a nurse or a doctor one day. Um, But what I found really gratifying was getting kids interested in things they they didn't know they would be interested in things like chemistry. Um, So I developed a unit around learning about air pressure and temperature and and thermodynamics, and, and we used it to learn about climate change and, and weather. Um, so being able to have the kids get excited about, about content that, you know, if you talk to adults, they would kind of, you know, scoff at, like, oh, chemistry class in high school is kind of rough. But, but it's, it's cool to be able to get kids excited about things that might seem dull or unimportant, but um, sort of showing them what is exciting and important about that stuff. I get, I get a lot of, of satisfaction from that. And I guess the, uh, the the medical and the biological end of things has been something that in the current climate over the last year and a half uh, has been a big topic and something that probably hits home for everyone in a lot of ways. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was really cool when, when a lot of this started. I had 
some former students sort of coming back to me to ask me questions or talk about things that we had talked about in class. I had a really wonderful moment that a, t- a, a colleague told me that one of my former students sort of uh, somebody in their class had brought up, you know, why can't, why don't we just have an antibiotic for, for COVID? And that kid was like, well, I learned in Ms. Dowling's class that, you know, this is a virus. We can't treat that with antibiotics. We'd have to get a vaccine first. And so finding those connections and knowing that the things are sticking with the kids is is excellent. Um, and it, again, it's a really easy sell to, to know that it matters what we're learning in class. And you touched on this a little bit earlier, but I, I just want to ask you about it. Uh, this has been difficult. This has been really difficult yeah. for families. It's been really difficult for kids. And it's been difficult for teachers. And if you could talk a little bit more about what those challenges have been for you, uh, especially you know, you're working in a district that has kids from all walks of life and, and some of them from backgrounds where they're, they're struggling a little more than most economically. Uh, this has just been a real tough go for everyone. What has it been like for you trying to help everybody and help yourself and your colleagues as well get through it? Yeah, I mean, it was an incredibly steep learning curve because when we first had to go um, virtual, at that point, not every child had access to technology at home. Um, We're definitely working towards that. I still think that there are some issues with everybody having access all the time. Um, So it was really, really hard. And I think the biggest thing that we learned that we had to do is we needed to, to maintain connections with families so that we know what they are missing Um, You can't start to help a family until you know what they need. Um, So that was the biggest thing at at my school, that we had to develop systems to make sure that we were checking in with families a lot more regularly than we would in a typical school year to find out what's going on and what they need. Um, And that continued through last school year. Um, I definitely had had stronger connections with families and more regular contact with them than I I would otherwise. Um, It was really hard, and... And I think it still is really hard in some ways. Um, But I certainly grew a lot as a teacher. Um, I've had to try so many new things all the time (laughs) to see what works and to get feedback from kids about what's working. Um, Yeah, I mean, it was really hard, but I am absolutely a better teacher for having gone through it. So I guess there's that. One of those conversations I know that we've had in our house with our kids is the fact that you don't really know what you're capable of until you're tested and uh, a lot of kids, a lot of teachers, a lot of schools finding out what they're capable of this last couple of years. That's absolutely true. Yeah. We can do hard things for sure. All right. Well, Kristen Dowling, thank you so much for joining us again. It's the Missouri teacher of the year competition. They are going to be naming the winner sometime in the next few days here. Oh, I didn't even ask you. They, they did the, your final interviews. How did that go yesterday? Um, it went really well. It was um, it was a really cool opportunity. The panel that did the interview included a lot of uh, former Missouri Teachers of the Year. They asked really good questions. I got to to have some one on one time with last year's Teacher of the Year, um, and just had some really great conversations um, with them. It was definitely nerve wracking, but but they asked good questions, and and we were talking about the stuff that I get excited to talk about. So what was, so your, it was a good time. What was your favorite question? It was my favorite question. Um, well, there was one that was kind of interesting because the Missouri Teacher of the Year is not exactly a political position, but you get a seat at the table of a lot of people who have political positions. 
Um, and so they, there were quite a few questions about, you know, what would your message be speaking to this set of stakeholders? Um, and so that was sort of interesting to think about, like, if I had the ear of the state Senate, what would I talk to them about? Um, and so I was able to speak about um, issues of, of resource allocation and educational equity um, across districts and, you know, teacher pay and, and all that kind of stuff. So that w- it was neat to be able to talk about those issues. All right. Well, Krista Dowling, we're rooting for you. We'll keep everybody posted on how this turns out. Thank you so much for joining us on KMOX. Thank you for having me. at your service. George Sells with you till 11 o'clock tonight. Talking a lot this evening about the 9-11 anniversary coming up. And just one of those things you can't shake because it's something that we all remember. I mean, everybody remembers where they were. Everybody remembers what they did. Uh, They remember the day. What was interesting for me is the fact that this was not a television experience. Most folks, you were at work or school or wherever you were, and the TV got wheeled into a room or everybody went into a conference room or you went home, but it was it was spent in front of the television watching everything unfold, watching just those heartbreaking images out of New York and then the immediate aftermath and you know, the president turns up in Nebraska at an Air Force base with a comment and, and just – and the entire time you were wondering, of course, you know, what what could happen next? Is there more? And it was a television experience for so many people. For me, it was a radio experience. I mentioned uh, in, in our first hour, you know, very briefly, I'll, I'll recap if you weren't with us. Uh, I was working at a TV station in Louisville, Kentucky. It happens. The second plane goes into a tower. Newsrooms across the country start going nuts in various directions. I was first to being sent to the airport to fly to New York. The planes were all grounded. And so it was drive, go. About a, what was it, about 15-hour drive, if I remember correctly, from uh, Louisville to New York. And we had like this little convoy and we had one group spin off and head for head for D.C. because of the Pentagon. And then we had another one pull off uh, in Shanks off the Pennsylvania Turnpike into Shanksville, Pennsylvania. And then Pete Longton was the name of the gentleman I was with. He's still shooting news in Louisville to this day. And uh, Pete went on. Pete and I went on to uh, New York and hooked up with the rest of the group later on and uh, you know we were there before midnight and the whole time we were listening to it all on the radio so so many of the images that even the next day people were complaining of seeing over and over again we had barely we hadn't seen once i mean this was before you had you know tv on your iphone that you could just watch the video over and over again this is 2001 there was there was no iphone <laughs> and so uh, we literally like the, the the images of the towers actually falling, I didn't see until the next, maybe the next day. It was a while because, you, but you heard it and the descriptions and it was, it was just as heartbreaking. Now talking about these memories, uh, Kevin Colleen was out talking to some folks about their memories of that day. And he has that in a whole nother story. 
There was a lady in front of a church changing the letters in a message board, Joan Willie, putting the phrase, Remember 9-11, on the message board of Our Lady of Preservation Catholic Church in Overland. I was actually working over in the school. I was the secretary over in the school. And um, it came across, and people were starting to call us, and parents were coming to get their kids and, um, you know, wanted them by them. At another school that morning, Miranda Porter was a fourth grader. I remember being at Normandy Middle School, Miss um, Thompson class. What did Miss Thompson say about it? Um, all the kids got down on the ground. Uh, she turned, she brought a big TV into the room. We watched the news. That must have been kind of scary to see the, the smoke coming out of the buildings and... Yeah, for sure. The adult world in chaos? Yes. How did you take it as a young girl? Um, I was very afraid. A piano teacher that morning, Carla Younger, had several lessons lined up with students. It was like a kick in the stomach. It was hard to believe watching everything unfold on TV. It didn't feel real. Did you have piano lessons the rest um, of that day? No, we. nobody wanted to take. We were all in shock. We were scared. We were worried, um, wondering if they were going to bomb... You know, like, what kind of attack were we under? And Brian Scott worked at a retirement home where he witnessed the reaction of senior citizens. Everybody was sobbing and crying and emotions was high. Put some movies in, get some popcorn. And a lot of people couldn't even eat their lunch or enjoy their meals because of what happened that day. So they put a movie on and changed the channel? I had to put in a, I had to find something very funny for a while. For a two. What movie did you put in? I was putting in Laura and Hardy and the Three Stooges. Scott says the diversion worked for a while, but then seniors wanted the news back on. We can all remember the events of that day and how we felt. What's hard to understand is that it has already been 20 years. With a whole other story, I'm Kevin Colleen. Twenty years. That's unbelievable to me. Alex Muskoff, our producer, sitting here with me. Okay, Alex, I, I feel old when you tell me your story, but go, go tell me what you remember. Oh man, that day I remember. I was a junior in high school, and uh, I asked my teacher to go to my locker to get a book. And I get my book. I go back uh, into the classroom. She has a TV on, and there it was. The t- it was just saw the planes go into the in the tower, and the rest of that day it was just eerie. Because you didn't do anything school-related that day. Every class I went to, that's all you watched was the news coverage on TV. And I was playing high school soccer at that time. I think it was JV I was on. And we had a game against Jerseyville that night. And obviously it got canceled. But, uh, yeah, it was just an eerie day. You hear people talk about being scared. Were you scared? A little bit. Yeah, I was scared a little bit uh, when that all that happened because you just didn't know. Because it was like just the world stopped, just like last year when the world stopped. The world stopped that day 20 years ago. Indeed it did. It stopped, and uh, when it finally restarted, nothing nothing was ever quite the same again. No, still isn't. Still isn't. Still isn't. And uh, I, w- I would use that as a segue. Uh, our Brian Kelly has done a series of reports throughout this week about 9-11 the day, but then what has happened since. How our, how our nation has changed in the years since then. And we're going to talk to Brian in the next hour 
about that series, about his memories, but he's got some very interesting insights as far as just what has become of America. And uh, he asked the question, are we safer? We'll have that next hour. I'm George Sells. 956 on Camelot. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.